Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Michael. And I'm Shane. Welcome to episode 70, Beach Blast 1992. World Championship Wrestling Beats the Heat. Or Beach Blast Bingo. O-72. (laughs) (laughs) So is this in a bingo hall? It is not in a bingo hall. No, it's not. This was the inaugural Beach Blast produced by WCW. It took place on June 20th, 1992 at the Mobile Civic Center in Mobile, Alabama. The attendance was 5,000 people. Hitting that sweet spot still. Oh yeah, if they booked the right building, it seems like, you know, people were showing showing up. Also, they're in Alabama. Come on. They love You can't get 5,000 WCW fans (laughs) in Alabama. Like, you know... Come here, yeah. far, far and wide to the uh, the Mobile Center. Is this Civic our first Center. first Mobile, Alabama? I think so. I don't. I, I feel like I be, remember like first Alabama show. Might be our first. It's Alabama my first show. Alabama. Show. <laughs> With it being your first Alabama show, feel like you had to bring us something, right? Oh yeah, you know the uh, little traveling game that I'm doing now from show to show, showcasing featured beverage or food item from the. Uh, the town that's hosting. So here in, in Mobile, Alabama, I was looking things up and stumbled across something that is uh, wrestling themed and frosty and delicious. It is known as the. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what, the do arms are going. what do you it's mean? Known it's known as the game? Alabama Bushwhacker. Uh, and you know how much I love the Bushwhacker, so. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Thumbs their face at the Beverly Brothers. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad we're behind the pe- plexiglass here because, you know, I might have to throw a drink at you for doing the bushwhacker arm move. Uh, but yeah, these here uh, Alabama bushwhackers, there's a little Kahlua, some rum, some more rum, some uh, coconut flavor, a little cream, a little ice cream. Blend it all together nice and, and it's smooth. It's very delicious. Yeah, it's, it's really it good. It's better than the wrestlers. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's better than the... The first match, but we'll get to that in a while. So yeah, Alabama Bushwhackers. I've never had one before, but uh, thanks to Michael and his uh, little blending ninja in the kitchen there, which I might have to get me one of those because. Oh, you haven't used one of those before? No. Pretty convenient. I'm, I'm old school. I got the you know, five dollar blender from Walmart. So. <laughs> I normally don't like the idea of putting uh, booze in ice cream, but this is uh, pretty tasty. Yeah, it is pretty tasty. But while we're all enjoying those. Something that happened the same weekend as Beach Blast, Batman Returns would be released what to theaters. The fuck? The, the, yeah, the best Catwoman movie. Because it's basically a Catwoman movie. And yes. this movie yes. rocks. Because, like, Batman, I don't even think he shows up for, like, the first, like, 30 minutes. And when he does, he doesn't even have his mask on. He's just, like, in front of a, like, computer. It's Bruce Wayne, baby. Yeah. The best Bruce Wayne. Yeah, totally. She got crazy Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, starting things off before she gets to that badass Catwoman. Yeah, guy. Michelle Pfeiffer's so good in this, and Danny DeVito's so gross. Batshit crazy Christopher Walken. Yeah. 
I mean, has Batman Returns your favorite Batman film? <sighs> Probably. Yeah, I think so. Um, That's tough. It's tough because I like the first. I like the first Batman. Um, Batman eighty nine. Yeah, yeah. I was blanking on Timber's name, but I like the first Timber one. But the second one is just like a little bit. Is definitely uh, darker, and yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer is just so awesome in it. <laughs> And Danny DeVito is awesome in it. I and it, like I said, it's a Catwoman movie, but it's with Batman in it. And uh, I don't know. I like the original. The I shouldn't say the original because there was an yeah. original. Shark Repellent. Batman 66. Yeah. You don't hate on Batman 66. I love 66. Batman 66. I don't, I don't hate on Batman 66, but it the powders, was no Batman 89. They turn everybody into powder and then they like rehydrate them at the end? Batuzzi, man. Yeah. Is that what it's called? <laughs> That's the dance. Oh, yeah. I used oh to watch God. that. The... Um, the reruns of the show when I was a kid after school uh, all the time. And then I, I think Scooby-Doo was on afterwards, which I didn't dislike, but my sister liked more than I did. So. I bet they would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those medley kids. Yeah, probably. Well, do we have any fans of uh, Batman and Robin? The you movie? know, I've kind of wanted to rewatch those because those are the ones that I like saw in the theater. Uh, and I didn't really get way into them. They were just like, oh, that was fun. Uh, was and then as an adult, I know everybody shit all over. I was super I... excited. I got tickets to the premiere, like a, a sneak preview of Batman and Robin. So I always get them confused because they have so many home. villains. Batman Forever is the one that has the Riddler in it, right? Yes, it has okay. the Riddler I had a Batman Forever, the like, McDonald's Batman Forever uh, glass coffee cups. Also had a Batman Forever hat, I think. I don't yeah. know where I got it, but it had like the question mark and... Forever was, really cool. was Val Kilmer, and then you had Batman and Robin. That was George Clooney. Yeah, that was the nipple one. And and how how could a George Clooney Batman movie fuck up? What did you do, Joel Schumacher? A lot of cocaine. <laughs> Rest in peace, Joel Schumacher. What's his name? Is Robin? That was the problem. Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. Uh, I might have to go I back and liked, watch. This. I actually I watched liked the... him as Robin. I mean, best, best thing about Batman and Robin was Alicia Silverstone. Uh, I love. We all love Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> Basically, just, the only movie I can think of that I like that she's in is Clueless. But everybody likes Clueless. Fear. Haven't Wait, seen no, Fear. That, sorry, not Fear. That was the Aerosmith music. Mark video. Wahlberg. The Babysitter. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know great, what that is. Great movie. Yeah. I've never even heard of it. The Crush. That's Crush. what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Aerosmith video. Just play them back to back, and you've got a, a short film right there. I don't hate on Batman and Robin, but it's definitely probably my least favorite. Oh, definitely same here. Because of the villains. I'm torn Arnold between... Arnold is nice. <laughs> it's Mr. Freeze. Just... <laughs> and Bane. They, they did a horrible Bane. Oh, the Bane was horrible. I mean, is it worse than Tom Hardy's Bane? Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> I think that the that third uh, Nolan movie is fucking garbage. I don't like that one either. <laughs> I didn't like it as soon as I saw it. I remember being mad at it when I left the theater. And I had a free ticket. My, My friend favorite. was like, hey, I got a, an extra ticket for like midnight. I was like, yeah, I'll meet you up there. And afterwards, I was just like, ugh. My favorite fuck. of the Nolan films is Begins, which is really? an unpopular opinion. Eh, I'm not mad about that. I also don't care enough to be mad at you for having a different favorite movie than me, so it's whatever. Yeah. I liked Begins. I liked The Dark Knight, but I mean, Heath Ledger was better than the yes. entire movie so I mean you know, it's just it's Heat but Batman and I think Heat's better than The Dark Knight so it's like oh well I'll just watch Heat which is true but yeah but The Ducks I really like The Ducks and Batman Returns at the end The Ducks are fun The Ducks are fun I forgot about The Ducks and then The Penguins god that movie's so weird <laughs> it's so good I love it yes so it's great 
So before going into the show of Beach Blast, some backstage stuff has happened since Wrestle War 92. So remember how just a couple weeks ago we praised the new man in charge, Kip Frey, for instituting bonuses for wrestlers who had match of the evening? Yeah. And it basically kind of gave us good work rate. And also, maybe, yeah, it was like, it's true. It's like, it's 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 one thing they could just like, they say all kinds of weird stuff about like how much money people make on wrestling shows and whatnot as far as commentating go, but it's like, oh, like, no, this guy's... If you spend if you if you put hang the bag out in front of everybody like they're gonna reach for it. Unfortunately, he wasn't a wrestling guy, so he has stepped down, and Cowboy Bill Watts has taken over, the old Universal Wrestling Federation guy. He did some interesting things, but unfortunately, he was out of touch with wrestling as he had not been a booker or in charge of anything in over five years yeah when the last time he was in he probably had like jyd as his champion in like mid-south a couple of those changes was that he removed the mats from around the outside of the ring pretty uh pretty cool not cool for the wrestlers but like i mean it's dangerous and he banned moves off the top rope oh he hates lucha and throwing opponents into the ring post and guardrails, making them causes for DQ if they were caught. Yeah, some old school 70s shit. Basically, his reasoning was to make the action more sport oriented. I'm a fan of that. By keeping the action in the ring. Uh, yeah. Was, was he trying to. I'm cool. Make I'm cool with most of those changes. Again, or... <laughs> I mean, you know. Like I said, I don't hate most of those rules. <laughs> the idea was to make it was to make it better. Mm-hmm. But when you have a light heavyweight division, mm-hmm. taking some of those takes away. Yeah, you, you, have, you have guys like Brian Pillman, Jushin Thunder Liger, yes. like Z Man. Don't forget Z Man. But like guys like Cactus Jack are affected because you can't. Yeah, Cactus Jack is as needs, much, that needs the steel around yeah, the ring. He can't do as much uh, carnage. The padding around the ring. <laughs> yeah, he definitely needs the padding around the ring. So we'll see how that all plays out through Beach Blast and if it affects our enjoyment of the show. But the show starts with narration over an animated hype video before the logo comes onto the screen. Yeah, I love the Comic Sans uh, like type font they use <laughs> for the like wrestlers' names and stuff. And the little splash animation is really yeah. fun. It feels like a like a Saturday morning cartoon car show. Sounding announcer. (laughs) Tony Schiavone and Eric Bischoff welcome us to the show. Bischoff has a flower, flowery shirt, like a Hawaiian shirt type thing on. Hey, hey. Oh, I see what you did there. You can't see me, but I'm... uh, I was wondering, I was like, is this just a... John Cena? Is this a a Shane, like, standby? Is he rocking a... uh, you know, rocking the Hawaiian shirt. Hawaiian shirt. It's it's Beach Blast. It's so. a good it's a good brand. I brought I brought frozen coconutty flavored coffee mm-hmm. drinks and uh, I'm I'm sporting the the Hawaiian shirt along with old uh, Eric Bischoff. There. Yep, and it's bright and sunny outside. <laughs> Tony then brings in the executive vice president Bill Watts and Cowboy puts over the light heavyweight belt as well as the fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like he 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 puts them over and the, but I'm just like in the back of my head I'm just like. So why did you take away everything that these guys could basically do? To yeah, make them the top special? rope thing. Like, at least keep it for the light heavyweights. Yeah, like yeah. just or maybe you only do it in like I could see it being a thing that's like only in 
the heavyweight title belts. Who knows? I mean, this is a light heavyweight title belt. But do you mean like I mean like the big boy belt? Like yeah. with the big boy belt, it's like oh, okay, well maybe here. He would also ban Paul E and Medusa from ringside for the entire evening. No Medusa, guys. We'll get some Medusa. Well, she's got other plans for the <laughs> it's, uh It's Beach Blast Bingo. Jim Ross is then at ringside, and he's in a Hawaiian shirt himself. And I really wonder if he still has that shirt in his closet. <laughs> you don't think... Yeah, probably the only time he wore it. Unless he saved it for the next Beach Blast. Uh, probably. Also, I don't know... I. Is this the best Tony's ever looked? I think that Tony is just like probably in his prime in '92 uh, as oh, far yeah. as looking attractive. I mean, he's he's got he's, kind he looks, of the, Tony looks kind of like dad hot here. Yeah, he's he's got the the man candy look going on about him. He's he's nice and tan, and <laughs> the the hair is is nicely I just, styled. Like, I had a note. I was like, damn, like Tony Schiavone looks hot again. Like I didn't know that that was that he had it in him. And standing next to like Eric Bischoff, like that means something. JR then sends it up to the stage where there is a beach set up with Jesse Ventura lounging with some lovely ladies before making his way down to ringside as well. Oh, the hair. Is this, oh, is this where hair. he has like the like the shaved head with the like ponytail? Oh, yeah, the he's still got that weird thing. I'm talking about the ladies. It's, oh, it's like straight yeah. out of The ladies' my, hair is great. I love it. It's like straight out of my high school class because <laughs> if, they, if they anybody from high school is listening and you want a, an image... It's kind of like a mixture of Wendy Werner and Brooke Arfman. Yeah, you, you know, remember just this <laughs> hairspray bang. Are you doxing people? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, oh, just, no, just as an example. The, uh, For those of you who don't know Wendy and Brooke, I'm sorry. You, it's going to be harder for you to figure out. I mean, what I'm basically, about. do you remember um, Glamour Shots? Oh, yeah. They got Glamour Shots here. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm a big fan of uh, this. I, I uh, think that it's good for everybody. Women these days, where they're just like, well, everybody's doing this thing where they're teasing their hair. It's like it's like an extra 20, 30 minutes. Like, now nah, you don't got to do that anymore. No. <laughs> White range, <laughs> moose it. Gary Michael Makes Capetta it. has not make it, made his way to Alabama, so we have a new ring announcer this for the show, Tony Gillum. How is he? Ooh, I thought he was okay. He's no Gary Michael Capetta. I mean, you know, there's only one Gary Michael Capetta. Exactly. And our first match is Scotty Flamingo versus Flyin' Brian Pillman for the WCW Light Heavyweight Championship. And the first question is, is he flying? If he can't come off the top rope. <laughs> he's, uh, he's hopping Brian Pillman. Yeah, I mean, at least with Flamingo, you know that they're mostly <clears throat> on the ground, aren't they? Well, they have to be. Yeah. Flamingos don't fly. No, yeah. Flamingos. I was trying to remember. Don't. Yeah, I don't. I. They were one of my. They were like one of my favorite animals when I was a kid because you know they're weird and pink. But I guess they don't fly. Yeah. So I can't remember if they actually did or not. I know. Yeah, they're like uh, they're an they're ostrich, like but cute. Clipped or something. The matches back and forth <laughs> again until Brian grabs a hammerlock to work on Flamingo's arm. Scotty escapes and tosses Pillman to the ropes, who comes back with what was supposed to be a crucifix. But slips, so he turns it into a sunset flip for a two count, and then goes back to the hammerlock. Flying Brian's toss to the corner, leaps up and over a charging flamingo, delivers a hip toss, and locks on a short arm scissors to continue to work on the arm. Scotty's fighting back and goes for a hip toss, but Pillman reverses into one of his own and back to working the arm. This is the ground war that Bischoff was thinking Brian did versus Liger a couple shows ago. 
Oh yeah, it's like oh we're actually doing the uh, the ground war now. Yeah, it's like you were a show early, sir. Flamingo escapes for a moment, only for Pillman to hit a head scissors and a drop kick to send Scotty hanging onto the ropes by his boots. So Fly and Brian shakes the ropes to drop Scotty onto the concrete. Pillman follows out with a double axe handle off the apron, rolls him back in, and then climbs to the top rope. Why? You're going to get disqualified. And this is when JR told me about the disqualification thing. Did, I, did they say it in the beginning of the show? I don't know that they did. I don't remember. I don't think I remember, yeah, like, said it specifically. Yeah, we just know that he was the one that implemented the rule. Yeah. But yeah, when JR uh, said that, I had a, a big old question mark in my notes. Like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. But Flamingo's up and press slams Flying Brian halfway across the ring for a two count. Scotty then tosses Pillman through the ropes to the floor before leaping over the ropes with a Piscato, rolling Brian back in, and we get a time announcement of 20 minutes remaining. I do like that you can hear the time announcements in every match. It's a thing that I appreciate in uh, wrestling. I do too. Flamingo, with the second rope fist drop, kicks Pillman out to the apron and delivers a few clubbing forearms across the chest. Scotty then goes for a running knee, only for Flying Brian to hit a slingshot crossbody for a two-count. Slingshot everything. One slingshot. Also, if you can't use the top rope, you better throw in a couple of slingshot moves. If you're Brian Pillman, anyway. So like, yeah. you get, this is like the closest you're gonna get. Uh, there was like a few things that I always wanted to happen when I was a kid. I wanted to go on. You can't do that on television and get slimed. Yeah. And I wanted to, you know, be in a wrestling get ring. Slimed by Brian Pillman. <laughs> well, no, I wanted to either get put in a figure fair, a figure four by Flair, or I wanted to be slingshot by somebody into the turnbuckle. Just, oh, nice. It was one of those things that you know, like, anybody can jump off of a rope up. or something like that. Well, apparently not, because now you get disqualified if you jumped off the top rope. Yeah. Now, you can get slingshot and... You want a double axe handle? Scotty Flamingo off, off the top <laughs> rope to the floor. Scotty's right back up with a clothesline for a two-count of his own. Flamingo with a snapmare and starts wearing down Pillman, using leverage from the ropes. Flying Brian fires up to escape, but runs into a knee... And Scotty then goes for an avalanche splash into the corner, only for Pillman to move. Bum, bum, bum. Flying Brian locks on a sleeper, jumps on Flamingo's back, but Scotty ends up driving Pillman's head into a turnbuckle. They both then hit a clothesline on each other for a double KO as we reach the 15-minute mark. The two men are trading blows. Is this the knee fight? Where they're both yes, on their knees. On the knees. Yes, I love a good knee slap fight. It's like, oh, it's one thing if they're standing and trading, but when they're both on their knees, it just seems a little bit more uh, desperate. Flamingo then comes off the second rope with a double axe handle, only for Brian to catch him with a drop kick on the way down. Spinning heel kick by Pillman, slams Scotty's head into multiple turnbuckles, mounted punches, has an Irish whip reversed, but catches the charging Flamingo with a big boot. I like this touch of uh, Scotty Flamingo. Looks like he's trying to make a tag after he gets his head knocked into the turnbuckle <laughs> a couple times. So that was a really funny like touch that wasn't... He didn't like overdo it in a hokey way or whatever. Just like, yeah, I was like, oh, good on you. Good on you, Raven. Or whatever bird you are right now. Flying Brian then charges out of the corner, only to be caught with a power slam by Scotty for a near fall. Pillman can barely stand, so Flamingo goes to celebrate on the top rope allowing Brian to grab him for a back suplex, makes the cover for the pin, and no! Scotty gets his foot on the rope. Pillman with a face plant, hits a clothesline, and another sends Flamingo out to the rampway. 
Brian then goes flying over with a tope suicido, only for Scotty to move in time and Pillman hits face first. Ah. Back in the ring, Flamingo then comes off the second rope with a knee drop for the pin and, and the, the win. win. And, and new! And surprisingly new heavyweight champion. I wasn't expecting No, that. me neither. I do think that the like finish is pretty good considering they couldn't use the top rope. Like... Brian doing the Tope Suicida and eating the rampway. Yeah. So it, was a, it was like, it's, all right, well, like, we need a good high spot to make sure that like we know that Brian Pillman got, is getting pinned and we can't come off the top rope, and that one is great. Yeah, that crash and burn on the, the ramp was painful. Yeah, I think that, <laughs> I think that uh, Pillman did uh, a lot with not being able, like did what he could without being able to use the top rope. Am I the only one that noticed the three little old ladies in the front row? They had to be in their, like, 60s. Oh, no, I watched them the whole show. There's a, <laughs> Sitting there sipping their beer, talking mm-hmm. about there's a match wrestling, I guess. Later in the show, or maybe, I don't know if I have it in my notes, but there's a match on the show where, like, one of the old ladies, like, stands up because she gets, like, excited or whatever, and some asshole behind her, like, basically, like, taps her on the shoulder and tells her to sit down. It's like, <laughs> she's having a good time. Like, she's not going to stand there the whole time. I was like, and it made me, like... This happened a long... This show's from 1992, and I was upset, and it, like, took me out of the show for a minute, because I was like, you leave her the fuck alone. That's, like, a little kid, like, you know, jumping up and down and getting excited, and some, you know, asshole wrestling mark behind him is like, kid, sit down, you're in the way. It's like, this old lady is enjoying the shit out of herself. She had bought a front row ticket. Maybe you should have got a front row ticket if you were worried about somebody standing in front of you. Also, she's, like, 5'2". Just look around her for a second. Exactly. But I was like... I was very upset with this man. Don't piss her off. You'll see. I mean, he's got like the ass. like a like a light purple and like teal like polo on. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Wherever you are, sir. I hope you're happy and healthy. But fuck you. Jr. and Jesse then begin talking about a bikini contest, and Ventura is mad because Johnny B. Bad is, is the host, and he says he should be in the contest, not the host. I'm the one the ladies love. I'm like, it's a bikini contest. Why did the ladies have to love you to host it? Yeah. He's just out there shitting on old Mark Marrow, as if Mark Marrow's not going to have a rough go of it later on in life anyway. So we get our first round of the bikini contest with Johnny B. Bad as the MC, And this is to determine the first lady of WCW, which is what you called a few weeks ago. You, you were like, <laughs> Missy Hyatt and Medusa should... I know, I know. Like, that's what Do I do something to, for the first lady. Like, yeah, and then uh, I was like, I was like, oh man, I was talking to a friend at work, and I was like, oh, I gotta watch uh, Beach Blast '92, and he was like, it's like, what's on that show? I was like, I don't know. So I just looked up the posters, so I didn't get spoiler, and I was like, and I saw the image of the uh, Medusa and Missy Hyatt, and I was like, oh shit, like I called this. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also saw um, the Steamboat and Rick Rude uh, on that poster, and I got very excited to go home and watch it because you never know what you're gonna get. I mean, some people do, but I like to like to keep it fresh. <laughs> bad has this quote: "What's better than being a bad man? Being at beach bast and being a bad man." <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. I like Johnny. I like Johnny, but Johnny is bad on the microphone tonight. <laughs> uh, he's just a, maybe he did one too many bumps. Maybe he was a nervous. Could be. He then explains the competition. Tells us the first round will be evening gowns. The second will be bathing suits, and the third round is bikinis. It, itsy bitsy bikinis. Yes, itsy bitsy bikinis. <laughs> Sorry. 
And obviously, it's Medusa versus Missy Hyatt because who else would it be? Because yeah, I'll, who, where's where's Miss York? Why can't we make it a triple threat? Where's Precious? Uh, <laughs> or, oh, Squeezy. Squeezy. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Garvin was like, mm, Precious, you don't you don't need to do this. No, I got you. Missy comes out first, and she's in a white evening gown. Uh, makes her takes a walk down the ramp. She, mm-hmm. She's looking good, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Medusa then comes out in a wedding dress. Yeah, with uh, with, a with, her veil. Fa- with with a veil. Her face is covered, and she's just no selling. <laughs> she's like, "Why the fuck am I doing this?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she should be in the ring. Let's put a ladies' match on here. Maybe not with Missy Hyatt, but we know Medusa can work. But after they make their walk, Jr. reminds us about voting. You can call that one nine hundred number and vote, and we'll have the results tomorrow night. So we don't even learn what the results are at the end of the night. Yeah, for the show. They're just trying to get those, the, you know, 80 cents a minute from, uh, exactly. from you know, a couple excited eight-year-olds. But then he hypes up Great American Bash, which we'll cover next week, where Sting will face Big Van Vader. I mean, I'm here for that. Could be a pretty good match. We haven't seen any long Vader stints in uh, WCW because he's basically been in Japan and, like, he... It's like he shows up. He for shows a, up basically a special feature. Yeah, the same way that mm-hmm. they show up in Japan for like super shows and stuff. Yeah, I mean he should. He's better off in Japan because uh, they've got much bigger crowds at this point in time. We then go to Tony and Eric who recap what we've just seen, and then preview the next match, and we get a video of Ron Simmons getting the key to the city of Tallahassee, Florida earlier in the day. Good for you, Ron. Did you guys know he played football at Florida State? Shut up. I want to say I've heard this before. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm sure I'll hear about it uh, quite a few times in this next match. <laughs> so our second match, Taylor Made Man versus Ron Simmons. And the two men stare each other down to start. But Ron with a power advantage and hits a hip toss, multiple three-point stance tackles, and is stalking after Taylor, only to be yanked to the rampway where Terry goes for a roundhouse right, but Simmons ducks and hits an atomic drop, press slamming Terry back into the ring. Get a big wrong. Terry's looking good in this match. I mean, to start off, again, I, I just can't help but say it. that You like Terrence Taylor? Taylor made is, is finally coming into his own as far as yeah, I mean, look and being taken you know, seriously as a... A wrestler and a placeholder in the company. You know, he's kind of got that. He's Rick Martelling himself to the middle exactly. of the card. Exactly, <laughs> but you know, he he at least is. I mean, I like is serving like a purpose and not just some jobber with a, a red streak in the top of his head. Oh yeah, I mean, I've liked him this whole time he's been back in WCW, but yeah, I, I don't have any complaints. It. He's never a standout, but he's never like the disappointing thing on the show. No. Ron follows in with a clothesline that sends Terry over the ropes to the concrete. And once Taylor is back in, Simmons continues the attack with body slams, clubbing forearms, hard Irish whips, a bear hug, but Terry escapes with an eye poke. I love the Irish whips to send his back in there and you're like, oh, I know what we're doing here. Like, it's like, yeah, Ron Simmons is going to get that bear hug in. You got to soften that back up. Taylor with a headbutt and Ron retaliates with a hip toss and goes for the three-point stance tackle again. But Terry sidesteps him, and Simmons goes flying out to the rampway. Taylor follows out to attack with stomps and face plants, rolls Ron back in, hitting a jawbreaker, a snapmare, and a neck snap for a two count. 
Getting some in on old old Big Ron. <laughs> Terry then goes for the dreaded reverse chin lock. Yeah. Uh, but Simmons fights That's out. pretty far into the match for, uh, you know, for a chin lock. True. And hits a backbreaker for a two count. Ron then reverses an Irish whip to deliver a spine buster. Picks up Taylor with a double choke hold, a back body drop, a running shoulder tackle, and a power slam <laughs> for the pin <laughs> and the win. Ron got it all in. Yeah. That first spine buster is like nasty as hell. Yeah. The thing that starts off this whole little this whole run of like power moves. It's just it's like that first one could have been you could have pinned him off that the way he yeah. like the way he laid it in. I was like, is Terry gonna be okay under there? Ron, like, Ron's finishes very but... strong. Damn! Damn. <laughs> <laughs> JR then interviews Ron Simmons at ringside, and he says that my ultimate goal is to be the best at everything I do. I'm living proof you can beat the odds. You can be the best, too, just like Ron Simmons is going to be the world champion. Foreshadowing? Hmm. And we go to our Ron, third match. Ron is for the children. Our third match, Marcus Alexander Bagwell versus Greg the Hammer Valentine. This is like not something that I would have I mean, this is two guys, if you were like throw everybody's name into a into a a, a tumbler, a hat, uh, and you and like pick two out for a singles match, I would have not this is like what I would imagine one of those things to be. It's like, oh, alright, Bagwell and Valentine. Maybe Valentine's gotta fight somebody. <laughs> And I'm glad to see him in a singles match. I'm glad that we're three matches in, all singles matches. I couldn't be more excited about that. Aren't singles matches awesome? They're the singles they're, matches are great. Uh, yeah, like good tag team wrestling <laughs> is also great, but good tag team wrestling is pretty rare. Good singles matches, not as rare. Bagwell with a hip toss, an arm drag, and a body slam to get it started. Marcus with an Irish whip but ducks his head, allowing Valentine to club him across the neck and looks to hit a pile driver when Bagwell reverses it into a back body drop. Now, did you notice when uh, Valentine was attempting the pile driver, people started cheering? Yeah. I mean, they probably... <laughs> yeah, I mean, they pop for pile drivers here in America. Huh. Yeah. But I, it's... Yeah, I was... Perhaps. But you were just happy that Greg might have got... Uh, yeah, some, he was actually getting a, a positive reaction and you know didn't have to do anything stupid. Like Greg, dress is, up Greg is built for Southern or wrestling. Just, with or to just man. go away heat for Bagwell. That could be too. I mean, it could be... What's the matter with Bagwell? Pre, Look at him. The pre-onset of Die Rocky Die for old Marky Mark here. Getting an atomic drop and multiple drop kicks by Marcus to send the hammer out to the floor to regroup. Back in the ring, Bagwell blocks a hip toss but Valentine recovers to hit a clothesline and begins chopping away on Marcus's chest. The hammer with a backbreaker comes off the second rope with a elbow drop, but Bagwell moves in time. Marcus then hits a body slam and goes for a knee drop when Valentine moves out of the way to avoid and begins to work on Bagwell's knee. And Greg's like laying in chops. He just feels a little bit alive. Also, he can probably lay in the chops <laughs> in WCW, where uh, some of those guys over there probably aren't as willing to uh, take it. Yeah. Well, you're chopping a, a dude with a, a chest Also, like yeah, Bagwell it's like, too, yeah, Bagwell complains like... about chops. Like, <laughs> come on, dog, what are you even doing here? Yeah. Complain, I'm going to hit you harder. 
The hammer looks to lock on the figure four, but Bagwell kicks him off momentarily, only for Valentine to try again, but Marcus cradles him this time for a two count. Snapmare by the hammer and goes right back to the leg, going for a body slam, but Bagwell floats over and pulls him over into a small package and then a backslide pin attempt for near falls. Valentine goes for a vertical suplex, but Marcus blocks and reverses for another two count. Bagwell's firing up, hits a back body drop, and goes to leapfrog the hammer. But his knee buckles, and Valentine smells blood in the water. Oh yeah, that little knee smells real good. He hits a shin breaker and locks on the figure four for the submission and And the win. Yeah, and that figure four was like right in the center of the ring, and he even got a little pop for it. And as soon as it was in the like it was right in the middle of the ring, I was like, oh, that's it. And I was like, Greg, Greg's gonna win. And I got really excited for him. And yeah, the the crowd cheered uh-huh. him winning. So yeah, what the hell? Face turn. It was a it was like a no no bullshit. Strap a rocket on yeah. him, kids. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I didn't expect Valentine to get over, and it was like quick and to the point, like solid ass wrestling match. Well, can I can I announce the bad news then? This is Greg Valentine's last. This would be Greg Valentine's <laughs> final WCW pay-per-view that, that, appearance until sometime in 1997. That's not true, is it? According to my facts. <laughs> well, I don't like that fact at all. He stole Matt's thunder. It's fine. You can steal my thunder. <laughs> I never get to say it. <laughs> I know. You never let me do it. I got to be cheerful for Greg and then to find out that I'm not going to see him now. For... Oh, yeah, that's a huge bummer because I was like, this is... Seven minutes of like, of what of like a, a, a match that doesn't have an angle. Like I don't know if there's a big angle here or not. I can't imagine there is. But like this was what I want a, out of a seven minute singles match between two guys. Yeah, I I'm a little heartbroken because you know I, I started to finally feel as you said kind of alive watching a Greg Valentine match and then. Yeah, I was like, oh, I just assumed. I was like, okay, Slam well, they're going to put over face. the young guy. But no, it was... Uh, yeah. Bill Watts just... was like, me and yeah, Greg Valentine. Fuck you, fuck you young guys me, in your me top and, yeah, yeah, me and Greg Valentine, you know, we partied together in the day. <laughs> Go out there and, you know, chop them hard and mm-hmm. slam them down on the concrete floor. Yep, he wanted that... Uh, or I guess that's now that other guy's already gone. I already forgot his name. But the guy it was like, <laughs> oh, we give bonuses for, like, peak... Per- for, like, good performances. Oh, yeah. Kip Frey. Kip, Kip Frey. There we go. So if Kip Frey wasn't a wrestling guy, how did he know it was good? I guess if the match was just went over well? Sometimes you throw spaghetti at I mean, the wall you... and it just sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess anybody could watch three wrestling matches and probably be able to tell which one of the best one was. It'll probably be their favorite one. Maybe he paid somebody to give him that great idea. Mm-hmm. A real money bag, Kip Frey. <laughs> It turned out to to be somewhat of a success for old WCW down the line, having money bags to just throw (laughs) money at stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to say this from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I'm going to miss you, Greg. We barely knew you. At least, you know, in this kind of capacity of matches that we enjoy. Or at least I'll speak for myself that I enjoyed. We barely knew you in in the crowd that cheered you in the right lighting around people and mm-hmm. places that made you look like you fit in so yeah you got to cheer and you hold I the guitar my, my hat to you there oh mr valentine i'll see you in five years jr and jesse then preview our next match and they throw to a video from clash of the champions 18 where cactus jack and van hammer 
are fighting outside the building in a Falls Count Anywhere match, where Abdullah the Butcher hits Hammer over the head with a shovel. If this was a WCW clue, it would be Abby with the shovel in the parking lot. (laughs) Jack then hits Abby away before making the cover for the win. And we're told that both Sting and Cactus Jack have agreed to this stipulation of Falls Count Anywhere. So yeah, our this is our, early, our pre, pre-hardcore match. Is this, is this the first time we've seen anything in a back parking lot? We've seen behind... In we've video, seen, yeah. Yeah, we've seen in the ring. Or like back... I mean, in the, in the back. Backstage. Backstage, yeah. which still isn't super common. But back- our fourth match, Cactus Jack versus Sting in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Which also means that basically all those rules that we talked about at the very beginning of the show that Cowboy Bill Watts put into place, they don't matter. Because you get, everybody gets one. You right? can do anything you want to yeah. in this match. Yeah. You know this was some cactus, some cactus jackery. He was like, I don't want, I don't need a, a title defense. This is a good way to skip a title defense. Cactus Jack's like, I'm not going to get the belt. No one's going to believe that, so let's just get brutal. Yeah. And I think that that's, uh, that's fun. And as you mentioned, into the railing. it is a non-title match. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I don't think Sting's agreeing to a uh, Falls Count Anywhere like match with Cactus Jack. <laughs> like That's a bad idea. So Cactus Jack comes down, but then he stops in the middle of the ramp and waits for Sting to come out. They begin to brawl where Jack attempts to hip-toss the Stinger off the ramp, only for Sting to reverse it into a backslide pin attempt for a two-count. I just like how Sting came out and just like dropped the belt. Let's go, fucker. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you ready? Yeah. I'm ready. Let's do this. That's what you got to do. You know Jackson came out there squealing. <laughs> the Stinger with a back body drop on the ramp, followed by a running face plant. Cactus Jack stumbles his way towards the ring, so Sting comes flying in with a Stinger splash. But Jack moves, sending the Stinger chest first into the turnbuckle, falling hard into the ring and then rolling out to the floor. Is that all right? Did here did he already do his crossbody into the rope into the ring? Like the stinger stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, he kind of like racked himself on accident. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cactus Jack then comes off the apron with an elbow drop, a swinging neckbreaker, all on the concrete for a two count. Uh, the concrete, man. Yeah. Capital letters. Why? Yeah, yeah. Jesse puts <laughs> over the concrete as if. It, as if anybody needs to put over the concrete. Oh, yeah. Well, JR was talking about it earlier, about how it was a WCW trademark. Oh, yeah, that we don't yeah. have mats on the We side. don't need mats. Yeah, it's like, we well, should probably get some mats. Yeah. You know who's not taking a bump without mats? Old Terry. <laughs> Old Terry. <laughs> can't, can't pay him to take a bump. Jack then comes off the apron again for a sunset flip for a near fall, then tries to slam Sting's head into the guardrail, only for the stinger to block and return the favor multiple times. Yeah, I've got notes that just say, Jesus, Mick. <laughs> For all these, like, concrete bumps that he's taking. Like, yep. a sunset on, like, onto the, from the apron onto the concrete. Like, come on, dude. You're, like, 300 pounds. And not fit. Cactus Jack tosses Sting into the guardrail, charges in only for the stinger to back body drop him over the guardrail into the crowd, falling over to ram Cactus Jack's head into the guardrail. Hell yeah, and it's, like, electric. Everybody's losing their shit. Because they're like, you don't see wrestlers out in the crowd like that in, nah. especially in like the in WWF or WCW at this point in time. So like, I got jazzed just with everybody else getting jazzed. Yeah, I mean like, over the railing into the railing. Yeah, 
It's beautiful. Onto the concrete. <laughs> the Stinger then hits a snap suplex for a two count. Sting then whips Jack hard into the guardrail, sending him crashing back over to the ringside. We get a good Stinger yell. Yeah, give Cactus all the fucking money for tonight for all of these <laughs> stupid pumps. <laughs> they finally make their way into the ring for the first time, uh. where Sting blocks a kick and spins Cactus Jack around, only to get nailed by a clothesline. Uh, from the Charles Manson University alumni, as JR refers to Cactus Jack. <laughs> Jack slams the Stinger's head into a turnbuckle, hits a running knee to the gut, a snapmare, and then uses an actual wrestling move, locking on a body scissors, which Jesse finds genius. And JR follows up with, Sometimes there's a method to his madness. <laughs> and the and there's crowd is just like stomping up a storm. Like they, everybody's on fire for this shit. Cactus is slapping away, which fires up Sting to escape the move. But Jack then hits a clothesline to take both men over the ropes to the floor. A real 360 move. Nobody slaps Sting. Nobody. Cactus Jack continues the attack by tossing the Stinger into a guardrail, charges in, but Sting gets a boot up. The two then charge at each other with clotheslines for a double KO out on the concrete. Oh, this was around the time that um, I did have my note about the asshole tell, telling the lady to sit down. It's around this area, guys. If you see it, I'm sorry I pointed it out, but... Gonna take me out of the match. It did. Right? It took me out of the match for a second. And uh, you, you can't see all the exclamation points on my notes over here, but there's a lot. Fucker needs to leave Gladys and Helen alone, damn mm-hmm. Jack grabs a chair, hits the stinger multiple times with it. And Jesse's wondering why anyone would take a match with the craziest man on the planet when there's nothing to gain. Oh, yeah. It's a good point, Jesse. Truth. I, I, I don't yeah. get it. Um, maybe, Other than for the enjoyment yeah, of, that maybe, I'm getting out of watching this. Maybe Cactus. Hammer or... I, we, what, is there a story to this show, this match? Basically, it goes back to when Cactus Jack came out of one of those boxes. Oh, yeah. Sting. That's, that was a while uh, ago. So That's super while ago. From, from, from a guy who's no longer with the company? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who when he, got, he, not make he already spent all that money that he got from Lex. <laughs> well, there's no money in bodybuilding. So. <laughs> Cactus uh, Jack is dragging Sting around ringside. When the Stinger hits a back suplex on the concrete, the two are swinging away, knocking each other down. But Jack lands on top for a two count. The Sting reverses into a two count as well. Stinger splash attempt, but Jack ducks to avoid, which sends Sting into the guardrail. So Cactus hits somewhat of a power driver as his knee gave out on him as he lifted the Stinger. Yeah, he doesn't get it all, but Sting catches that that sternum right in the steel. Yeah, that almost pile driver made me kind of flinch. Cringe a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's like, Ooh. It's, I mean, it's on the floor, so. Yeah. I'm glad that he didn't get it all. Um, this is, just, yeah, for the young record. Mick Foley, who knows how far over the line he would have tried to take it, so. Jack then comes off the second rope with a double axe handle, but Sting hits him as he comes flying down. Judo chop. The two men make their way back to the rampway where the Stinger body slams Cactus and grabs a chair and begins beating Jack with it. Sting then goes for the Scorpion Deathlock, but Cactus Jack rolls over and both men fall off the ramp. (laughs) Cactus slams the Stinger into the rampway before rolling him back onto it and then hits a double-armed DDT for a near fall. Very fast count, by the way. I was like, wow. I think I was like, is this fast count like telling them they need to wrap it up? <laughs> I was trying to figure out. I was like, that was really quick. Jack's making his way back towards the ring, and Sting sprints up to nail Cactus Jack with a clothesline from behind. 
The Stinger then goes up to the top rope, coming off with a flying clothesline for the pin and, and the win. win. It's always fun when uh, the match doesn't always end with somebody's like finisher. It's like, oh, Sting like hitting like two clotheslines after like 11 minutes of brutality like is just as believable as Cactus Jack landed on him for a pin at this point. We then go to our fifth match. Ravishing Rick Rude versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in a 30-minute Iron Man match with no title on the line. Crazy. Where all the where have all the titles gone? But in the melody of where have all the cowboys gone? I, I was going to try to sing it, exactly but I couldn't. I was like, I can't sing. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> Rude comes out. He wants the music cut so that all the fat, out of shape, Alabamians, beach-loving bozos. Is, I guess Alabama has a beach, right? Yeah. They got a little, the, the Florida, Florida Bama Florida line. Shore. Florida Bama. Yeah. <laughs> Never been Coral there. Coral Shores, I think that's there too. So he wants them all to be quiet. So yeah. you can show them what a real man looks like. I mean, some if anybody can say it, why not Rick Rude? Yeah. Little Dragon and Ricky's wife accompany Steamboat out to the ring. Whole Dragon family. Aww. I love the little, the matching little, geese. Uh, that seen Little Dragon in quite some time. No, nah, he's, he's, he's a little big dragon. He's a <laughs> middle dragon? Uh, yeah. But the they're, they're matching... Uh, Geese. I think you call it a gi, right? It's mm-hmm. a karate outfit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I thought that was really adorable. Rude starts walking towards Ricky as he's helping the little dragon out of the ring, and Steamboat is none too happy about it. <laughs> of course not. And starts laying it in with right hands Hell and yeah. chops. It's a good way to get the match started. It's like, okay, like... Oh, you're going to come after my family? Yeah, it's like, all right, it's on so. now. It's like, oh, let's get the... Ba- let, let have the baby face start hot for a change, and here's a... Easy, simple excuse for that to happen. And you got Jesse that reverses it, you know, accusing the dragon of using his kid to yeah, you know, slow or control the start of the match. All good stuff. And uh, JR does use some topical news here, saying that Rick Rude is about as popular as Ice T at the policeman's ball. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. JR, I didn't know you were uh, uh, kept up with them TVs. <laughs> Steamboat continues the attack with a gut buster, a running shoulder block, reverses a hip toss attempt, and continues working on the rib area of the ravishing one. And I love that we have a little clock in the corner of the screen. Yes, clock ticking down from mm-hmm. 30 minutes to keep us informed of how long. Luckily, it's not on the uh, big screen, so people can keep going. 10, 9, <laughs> <laughs> Fucking assholes. I mean, I, I feel like that... You know, spoiler alert, if you're looking at the, paying attention to the clock during this match, you don't like wrestling. I'd have to agree. The dragon with a bear hug, but Rude escapes the attack by planting a knee into Ricky's face. Misses a clothesline, allowing Steamboat to slam the ravishing one, and then lock on a modified bow and arrow. Rude is able to escape momentarily, kicking the dragon off to the ropes, only for Ricky to come back and lock on a Boston Crab. Yanking it so far back at one point, it's basically a Walls of Jericho. Yeah, and Rick Root is selling it, selling it real good. But the Ravishing One makes it to the ropes. Steamboat yanks Root off the ropes, hits a splash, and delivers a bunch of knee drops to the ribs, followed by a front suplex. Steamboat is sadistic, like Dr. No, in Goldfinger. It's, it's the James Bond movies 
Jesse was rambling on about that. <laughs> like, why do you have to tell us who Dr. Dr. We should, no, Gold we should do like James a. Bond are. We, we should. We could start doing an over under for how many times he references the Predator. <laughs> it's at least once every show. Maybe he was trying to get himself. It's like that was in '87, Jesse. That's what it is. He's dropping those subliminal hints out there that mm-hmm. you know Jesse, the Body Ventura, is talking about James Bond. Yeah, he's, he wants to play James Bond. I think he'd be a good James Bond villain, with his especially with the little hair thing. His yeah. like pony, bald ponytail look. Get him a little, you know. Little black Zorro mask. I mean, I don't know. Sorry, Matt. I don't want to offend. I know you're the resident James Bond fan. He could throw a shoe. (laughs) Who throws a shoe? The dragon with the Irish whip and charges in, but the ravishing one gets a knee up into the chin. Makes a cover with a handful of tights for a pin. Rude is up one nothing. Yeah. With 22 minutes remaining, uh, and what a way for the for the to get the pin, but with a handful of tights on the first one, bring the heat up. The ravishing one doesn't stop the attack, hitting multiple falling fists, multiple knee lifts, and then a rude awakening for another pin. I know I was already crapping my pants. I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> like at this point, I really don't know what's like. Because at first, I was thinking. What are the stupid, like, matches where it's, like, two or three pinfalls? Two out of three. Yeah, like, why do they do that? Because then you kind of figure it out at some point. It's like nobody's going to get all three at the same time or whatever. It just feels like you can kind of figure out what's going to happen at some point. Like, they're both going to end up with two with two pinfalls, and then it's basically just a singles match, but they're tired now. So I was thinking about, like, the two out of three falls thing when this first happened, and I was like, what the fuck? But... I, I figured it out pretty quickly. Sarood is now up 2 nothing with 21 minutes remaining. The Ravishing One with a body slam heads up to the top rope and comes off with a flying knee drop. But remember, moves off the top rope, cause a disqualification. Sarood is now only up 2-1 to one with 20 minutes remaining. We get that real nice. He was just trying to, he's like, well, I can take the one pin off the top. I already got two and I can get me another quick... Three? I don't know. What do you think he's going to get a double pin? The Ravishing One just literally doesn't care about the disqualification because of the damage that the move does. Yeah, it's smart enough. So he literally picks up Steamboot, only to cradle him for another pin. Worth it. Now Rude is up 3-1 to with 19 minutes remaining. Ricky starts firing up with right hands and chops, ducks his head on an Irish whip to be face-planted by the Ravishing One before hitting a snapmare and locking on a camel clutch. The dragon begins to make his way towards the ropes, but Rude just jumps down on his back to stop the momentum. The ravishing one goes to bump and grind, but the ribs are a little sore. So he just goes back to the attack on Steamboat with more knees to the back and a camel clutch again, only for Ricky to lift him up for an electric chair drop. Yeah, and we're getting the, our Steamboat chance, of course, for old old Steamboat in, in the clutch. I was going to say, Steamboat doing the elect, electric chair drop, you know, from the starting position he was in, that one that one impressed the hell out of me, because, I mean, Steamboat isn't a, a big dude, and picking up Rick Rude on your shoulders from a, a laying down position is pretty yeah. fucking badass to me. I mean, Steamboat's just not a cut guy. He's still pretty tall, right? I mean, he's tall, he's just... He's not, I mean, I, I not everybody looks like uh, Rick I don't Rude. see him as the, the manhandling type and the fact that he can yeah. stand up from a laying down position. see him as more of, you know, the arm drag kind of guy that he is. Yes. The dragon goes for another splash, but Rude gets his knees up. 
and follows that up with a swinging neckbreaker for a bunch of near falls. Again, Steamboat's firing up with chops, but the Ravishing One catches him with a boot, hits a snapmare, and locks on a reverse chin lock to continue to wear down Ricky. 15-minute call. 15 minutes in. Was that our first reverse chin lock? Yeah. That's good. Fine with that. They deserve a little bit of a break. I mean, also in Rude's favor to put on these rest holds because it wastes time. Yeah, exactly. After escaping, the dragon runs in to a knee, putting Rude back in control to hit several head slams into turbuckles and a pile driver for a two count. Poor Ricky. The Ravishing One then goes for a tombstone pile driver, only for Steamboat to reverse into one of his own for a pin. This is where he uses Rick Rude as a ladder. He like crawls up the man. It's incredible. <laughs> So Ricky cuts the lead in half and is now 3-2 to two for Rude with 12 minutes remaining. Yeah, the Rick Rude is a ladder. I, re- I rewinded it a few times. It's like, what, the, what in the hell? As the dragon goes to pick the ravishing one up, Rude ganks Steamboat into the corner to hit face first into a turnbuckle. Heads back up to the top rope, <laughs> which seems kind of stupid since you're only one fall up mm-hmm. at this time. But Ricky makes it back to his feet to stagger the Ravishing One and hits a superplex, which I guess is legal if they're both on the top rope. I don't know. I was like, huh? Maybe they just got excited and he was like, superplex. And they were just like, adrenaline was going, so they forgot. Uh, Another cowboy made that move famous, I thought, back in the day. So maybe since one cowboy did it, it was okay by another cowboy to allow it. We're not told on this show. But we're told later on okay. that a superplex is legal. Okay, because it's like the oldest, the oldest eye spot. Both, everybody likes because they're both coming off. The because they're agreeing to do it, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're exposing the business. But you know, I'm fine with it because who doesn't want to see a superplex? Yeah, I love superplexes. I'll take it. The dragon slowly makes his way over to the for the cover, but only a two count, and the two men then hit double clotheslines for a. Double KO. Rude crawls on top of Steamboat for a two count, but Ricky bridges up and rolls the Ravishing One over for a backslide pin, and the match is all tied up with nine minutes remaining. Holy shit. Holy shit. And this is about our ten-minute call. Ricky then with an inside cradle for two, jackknife pin for two, crossbody and cover for two, but Rude slows the momentum with a jawbreaker. The Ravishing One continues the attack, driving Steamboat's face into the mat several times, yelling, You ain't no Iron Man! You gotta remember that that nose of old Ricky, too. Body slam, falling forearm, clothesline by Rude, and gives us a single bicep pose and begins to choke the dragon. Multiple forearms across the chin before going for another Rude Awakening, but Steamboat powers out and hits his own Rude Awakening Makes the cover for the pin. No! The Ravishing One's foot's on the ropes. Multiple knee drops from Ricky as we have five minutes remaining. Hits a vertical and back suplex for two counts. Rude reverses an Irish whip and locks on the sleeper, jumping onto the dragon's back. Steamboat attempts to knock the Ravishing One off by slamming him into a turnbuckle multiple times. But Rude just continues to hold on for over two minutes. Yeah, and these motherfuckers are just dripping sweat. 
<laughs> like I swear this was fucking the longest crazy. sleeper I've seen. It was only two minutes. It was it was over two minutes by the time that Ricky dropped to the mat finally. That yeah, felt but like it was like a good ten. <laughs> but it didn't suck. No, 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 I was like, it was high tension. I was like in tears. I was like, this is it. I just got rude with a sleeper, a forever sleeper, forever. Dot dot dot. Still sleepering. <laughs> dot dot dot. Cranking up the sleeper some more. <laughs> After another minute in the hold, the ref finally goes to lift the arm of the dragon. I didn't see. I didn't even notice how long the sleeper was. I think I was just too excited. It was over three and a half minutes. That's crazy. I didn't even. I would. I would normally complain about something like that. I didn't. My only note here is that these guys are killing it and sweating their asses off. Uh, oh, and it says this is wrestling. I, I wrote <laughs> a lot about it, but yeah, I wasn't mad at all. Yeah, it was. It was very I didn't, didn't even register. fitting for the. And usually, when the ref goes to raise their arm, you know, it's like one, mm-hmm, two, two, and then they finally three. hold, keeps it up on three. Yeah. Ricky's arm stays up on the first turn. Yeah. Steamboat fires no, up. No, yeah, no baby face in peril. They're behind him. Walks. He's got, a, he's got a little dragon to take care of. He walks up the ropes and jumps backwards on top of the ravishing one for a pin while still in the sleeper. Yeah, And come on. Ricky's now up four to three with 30 seconds remaining. Is there a cooler way that he could have, like, got the lead? Finished the flip and eh. done the Bret Hart finish. I mean, he was just in a he was just in a sleeper for four, four minutes. I'll give it to him. Yeah. But that's also like it's like oh the sleeper that long and then making the pin while still in the sleeper. It's like holy come on, <laughs> how smart are these guys? Someone someone give them a honorary master's degree from Alabama State. Root is in panic mode. Hits multiple clotheslines, all for two counts. An inside cradle for a near fall. Body slam. Steamboat kicks out as time expires. And Ricky Steamboat wins the match. Four to three. Wow. Wow. Match is on the short list. Come yeah. on, come on. Look, look. You'll be proud. This is, this is my first one. I even wrote it on here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and now it's... Titty time. Oh, Tremendous right. chest measurements. Oh yes, yeah. that's right. We we were hearing all about it on the uh, the last show about the chest measurements. The big surprise. You know what's cool is that the the ladies have a. They are very cool. No, the I mean they are cool. <laughs> I'm a fan of both. They have costume changes yeah. for this, but so does Johnny B. Bad as he comes out in white and gold this time. I mean, he is pretty. This is round two of the bikini contest, Johnny B. Bad. He's so outrageous, it's contagious. Yeah, tosses it to the flamboyant one. Yeah, come on. It's like the flamboyant. Who's the flamboyant one? Jesse just wears stupid clothes. I don't know if that's flamboyant. (laughs) Medusa then comes out in a jacket covering a one-piece swimsuit. Missy then comes out in a blue two-piece showing off the measurements. Yeah, I like that Medusa's got like the biker mama gear and she's like chewing gum all shitty it's awesome Johnny B. Bad has one more good line look at those two beautiful blue eyes yeah JR had one in there too when he was talking about Medusa there's a couple things I like about her I like that Missy I like Missy's uh, (laughs) matching high heels (laughs) she went blue yeah gotta go all blue 
we didn't get an ad and JR hyping up Great American Bash, which we'll cover next. Yeah, week. Johnny asks how the crowd feels or whatever, and of course they're of course they're on Missy's side. Of course they are. But are the people at home? I mean, maybe we'll find out later. <laughs> we already told them we're not going to find. Out. Oh wait, that was the the nine hundred number. Yeah. yeah, so we don't they know. Told, they yeah. told me not to call. Yeah. So our sixth match. I pulled out my cell phone, but the number was blocked on the network. <laughs> The Dangerous Alliance of Beautiful Bobby Eaton, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, stunning Steve Austin with Paulie Dangerously, versus Nikita Koloff, Barry Windham, and the natural Dustin Rhodes in a six-man tag match with Ole Anderson as a special guest referee. And I'd like to point out, this is the first tag match. Match five is the first tag match we've six. had. Match six. Sorry. Match six is the first tag match we've had on a WCW show, and look how stacked it is. Right? Right? I, I would like to point out that check out Austin in this match with his no-knee braces. <laughs> I just, it makes me Did happy. Did he have the haircut to, in this one? Yeah, yes. I think he's the got, yeah, yeah, the new, yeah. like, uh, it's like... A, Short. The, the little boy cut. Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like... <laughs> cut, like a little bit shorter than like a, yeah. a I, JTT. What, what would like Heather half JTT, it? half comb over. Say what? What would Heather call it? What kind of a cut is it? <laughs> Matt's like, I don't know. I just put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Matt just shaves his head. He's good. It's like buzz <laughs> cut. <laughs> Done. Uh, I wish I could pull off a buzz cut. I actually don't know if I could. But I don't have a nice shaped head. Yeah. I also have a small head, so it's not a good look. Austin with no knee braces is it's. So that's what you like about Austin. You're a knee guy. I'm not a knee guy. You just, he was such a freaking robot for those last couple years with all of his yeah. hardware on his legs that it's it's cool to watch him not have to wear anything. Yeah, it's great to see him like basically with no real injuries at this point in his life that I'm aware of. It's like, oh, like he's just good to go. The glory days. Kind of like Pillman, like, you know, later Pillman has what, he breaks his foot or something in the car wreck later in his life and never mm. kind of quite recovers completely. Wyndham starts off with an arm drag, a fireman's carry on Austin, but Stunning Steve takes Barry off his feet and goes to the second rope, where Wyndham meets him to hit a second rope Japanese arm drag. Rhodes hits multiple drop kicks, locks on an arm bar, but is in the wrong part of town, so Austin is able to make a tag. In case you were wondering, Larry Zabisco has quit the Dangerous Alliance the week before the ship. Oh, we saw we saw that built up at uh, our... War Games, the That's match it. beyond. Ah, uh, Larry. What are we going to do with that? Yeah, Larry, you don't have you don't have it in you to not be part of a team, sir. Why were you never a... Wait, was he a horseman? Yes. Yeah. Damn it. How many... How many later, later on. You could take all of the, like, horsemen that aren't, like, OG Wait, horsemen. Like, your, your floater horsemen. Mongo McMichael, right? Yeah. yeah, fuck you. You weren't a horseman. He's not a, he's not <laughs> a true horseman. Yeah, yeah. But you could take all your float, floater horsemen and throw them into the ocean <laughs> i mean that's not true hopefully they float <laughs> yeah, they're all they're not none of them are bad or whatever but it's just like uh, there's so many people that are just like mongo mcmichael was bad. i don't even know who that is oh uh, just wait just wait mm. mongo mcmichael you've, is a bad name you've anyway. heard of his wife or his ex-wife steve austin's current wife deborah oh, deborah oh okay they're not together so mongo are they not together anymore yeah they they split up oh. right around I was trying to think I was like I was like is Mongo McMichael a repackaged uh 
Steve uh, McMichael, he used to be a Chicago Bear. Okay, I was thinking... Actually, uh, he's probably a Chicago Bear right about this time. Yeah, yeah. And then he becomes a wrestler. I was thinking, he's like, oh, did, uh, did, Ma- did Mero get... Uh, did Mero was Mero Mongo Mike or whatever because of Sable? Dustin and Eaton go back and forth until beautiful Bobby cradles him for a two count. Arn tags in, begins to taunt Nikita, and slaps him. That's ballsy as fuck right there. <laughs> yeah, I ain't slapping Nikita for, for, a, hundred, for a couple hundred bucks. So the natural tags cool off in, and Anderson lures him back into the corner with a snapmare, a knee drop, and then heads up to the top rope. But Oli reminds him of the DQ rule, so he oh, jumps no. down. Nikita tries for an O'Connor roll, but Double A holds onto the ropes, so Koloff just hits a Russian sickle to send Arn over the ropes and to the floor. Fucking beast. Mm-hmm. Paulie's yelling for the DQ, but the ref doesn't give it to him, so the Dangerous Alliance regroups out on the floor. Wait, I didn't even think about this at the moment, but weren't they banned from ringside at the beginning? Yeah, they were. Okay. I thought it was just that one match. Or though, I guess there's been a couple. The way he really... said it, it was all the matches. So. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is a six-man tag. So, but I mean, these guys are bringing the fire. It's almost like you know they watched the first half of the show and were like, "Hey, we really need to perform because uh, everybody else has been." Especially like being the match after that 30-minute Iron Man. Like yeah. that is the piss break. You're gonna have to bring it if you don't expect if you like want to keep anybody in from that bathroom beer line. Nikita locks a bear hug onto Eaton, only for Anderson to break it up. And the Dangerous Alliance goes for a double-team back body drop, but Koloff kicks double A and hits an atomic drop on beautiful Bobby to cause the two to collide. Austin gets body slammed, and Nikita has forced the Dangerous Alliance to regroup again on the floor and decide to go with plan number two. Wyndham with a body slam of Arn, Irish whips him to the corner and charges in, which Anderson gets a boot up only for Barry to catch it, spin him around to hit an atomic drop into the turnbuckle, which causes Double A to bounce off and the two men crack heads. Uh. Arn heads up to the top, but Wyndham meets him there. Anderson punches him off and steps down to the second rope to come off with an axe handle. An Irish whip and charges in for Barry to get a knee up and then locks on the sleeper. Double A with a back suplex to escape, and Wyndham makes the tag to Rose, who cleans house with several right hands. A clothesline on Arn, but Anderson recovers to send Dustin into the Dangerous Alliance corner. Yeah, Dustin comes in and, you know, clears the house and brings the fire like everybody else, but goddamn Dustin Rhodes is a fucking stud. Right? He's fucking so good. Those, those punches that he was uh, throwing out there as soon as he got in the ring were, uh, they were, they were money. I had to actually rewind back just because... I mean, they, they sounded so crisp and impactful. Yeah. The natural's trying to fight his way out, but Double A runs Rhodes' head into Eaton to regain control. By the way, Bobby Eaton takes the hardest bumps in this match, mm-hmm. just from Arn Anderson. <laughs> I know. God bless Bobby. If he was just, you know, born with a couple, a couple more inches and a face, an ass hair better. <laughs> it's like, uh, I love you, but it's... You know, you don't look like stunning Steve Austin or even Dustin Rhodes. Austin begins stomping a mud hole, choking Dustin on the ropes, and slams his head on the turnbuckle. Arn with a snapmare, knee drops, more chokes, as Anderson goes for a jawbreaker, but the natural reverses into a backslide pin attempt, only for beautiful Bobby to make the blind tag. Oh, over here, around here, JR puts over the bikini contest 
phone number, letting us know that right now Medusa is ahead 51% to 49%, which is just like such a cheap money grab. It's very, I thought it was hilarious. Like you could have had like a, any other like number disparity than this one and it would have been more believable. That's my girl. <laughs> As JR is telling us that, Eaton crotches roads on the ring post. Clothesline from beautiful Bobby. Austin with a flying clothesline for a two count. Double A with forearm smashes. And Dustin begins to fire up, hitting a bionic elbow. But Orange stops him from tagging with a drop toe hold. Eaton comes in to continue the attack and working the arm and tosses the natural to the ropes who returns with a crossbody, only for Bobby to duck. Stunning Steve comes in with a vertical suplex, but Rhodes floats over and goes for an O'Connor roll for a two count. Austin slams Dustin's head into the turnbuckle, Arns back to work on the arm, and slams his head into Eaton's again. The natural's making his way to his corner, but Stunning Steve stops him, hits a stun gun that sends Rhodes all the way across the ring to make the hot tag. Wyndham's in with right hands. Hip tosses to the entire Dangerous Alliance. Nikita's in to work over beautiful Bobby. Barry with a back body drop on Austin. Double A comes <laughs> off the top rope with a double axe handle, but Wyndham hits him in the gut on the way down. Stunning Steve set up on the top rope, and Barry climbs up to hit a superplex as Arn tosses Dustin from the ring. He then climbs to the top rope and jumps off with a double axe handle to Wyndham. But Ole Anderson sees Arn jump off and calls for the bell. And the official announcement is Barry Windham, Dustin Rhodes, and Nikita Koloff by disqualification. Yeah, the, and the crowd got hot for this match yeah. because they should have because it was hot shit. So I guess Mobile, Alabama is not the town of brotherly love. What the fuck, Ole? I was like, I thought, assumed he was going to do something shitty. But it appears at the moment Ole is a real ass ref. He is. Falling it down the middle. I must say, the uh, the little bits of Austin versus Rhodes that we had in this match. Oh yeah. I want, I want like a best of seven series. Just <laughs> I mean, them. we just have seen a Rhodes. One of, one of the matches on our short list was an Austin Rhodes TV championship match. Yeah, it's yeah. good stuff. It's but I mean, them two Rhodes really just gets well gets better and and better. I mean, yeah. Dustin Rhodes is like twenty one here or some shit. Yeah, and he's like yeah, he's super like he's, yeah, he's super young, and it looks like he should be teaching people how to wrestle. Yeah, I I wish that in their more mature times or more mature years, WWF that they would have been able to yeah have the issue is that the big house Goldust wasn't a serious gimmick, and Stone Cold Steve Austin was I mean still kind of goofy but it was a serious gimmick it was Gold like oh it's just wasn't a serious gimmick but gold dust it's a serious fucking wrestler yeah 20 something years yeah. as a character so i mean there's there you can probably count on one hand the amount of characters that will last oh yeah i'm a i am a gold dust fan for yeah, sure you've got your taker you've got your cane you know they they change things up a little bit but gold dust did endure. give me give me more Post-match, we see Barry and Austin still brawling on the outside with Stunning Steve slamming Barry's head into the guardrail. And then we go to Eric Bischoff on the stage, and he has Ricky Steamboat there. And the dragon tells us that he proved to the world that this was my finest hour. This was without a doubt my hardest wrestling match in my career. And I'm like, didn't you have a trilogy versus Flair? I'm like... Okay. Yeah, forty-five minute match with Flair. I mean, you know, <laughs> okay. maybe he's just stoked because 
this might be maybe he thinks it's his best match. So he's looking forward to. But I mean, another... you can't say that. You can't expose the business. No. Like this is the best. <laughs> I think this is the best match I've ever put on. It's like, oh no, like it's about winning. It's not about the quality of the match here. What did your wife say to you backstage before you came out and started talking on the microphone, Ricky? So he says he's looking forward to another U.S. title shot when Paul E. joins them on the stage and dangerously tells him that he's received his final shot forever. Forever? Forever. All of a sudden, Cactus Jack grabs the dragon from behind, dragging him off the stage, and the two men start brawling until the officials and security are able to break them up. So does that mean the next show is Cactus Jack versus Ricky Steamboat? in a no DQ, and then we get Rick Rude versus Sting in a 30-minute Iron Man match. We're going to swap it up? Who knows? I mean, it sounds fun. Uh, I'm down. I'm here for that. It's been a while since we've had a, a pose down, so yeah, maybe you can get uh, a, a Rick Rude versus Sting for a Mr. WCW. Oh, my God. I was thinking of, <laughs> I was thinking maybe a Cactus where's, where's Jack. Where's Van Hammer with our powerlifting segment? Oh, yeah. I mean, Van Hammer could win a pose down, potentially. Yeah. Rick Rude's probably going to win, but I'm just saying, yeah. you know, he's the closest probably here, right? Or, I mean, never mind, Mark Merrow, because he's, uh... He's bad. He's, yeah, he's, uh, like... He's the the kind of buff that's, like, kind of soft, because, like, he probably retains too much water. (laughs) We then get round three of the bikini contest, and... Itsy-bitsy bikini time, right? It is itsy-bitsy, and Jesse has joined Johnny B. Bad on the stage to help MC this segment. And Johnny comes out in a cowboy outfit... Yeah, John. Yeehaw. Uh, cow, cowboy John. Boss, huh? Medusa comes out in a bikini that basically looks like her Alundra Blaze outfit that she wears, but just as a bikini. Oh, yeah, like the red, the, white, the, and the blue. Flame, yeah. Oh, okay. I was thinking of the flame one, but I guess that's later Alundra one. And then Ben and Jesse are like, all right, Missy, you're. T-, and Missy just doesn't come out. She's so, having a problem. So they walk over to her tent. And she says, someone stole her bikini. Oh, the horror. I was going to say, it was in the envelope. <laughs> it's so tiny. <laughs> Which is very funny. So Hyatt ends up grabbing <laughs> Ventura's head wrap. Uh-huh. His do-rag. His do-rag. <laughs> I mean, it's like head scarves. It's Jesse. Who knows what these clothing things are. He just goes to like the, the like, Hobby Lobby and gra- gets some designs he likes. Cuts them into strips. So, Bad takes a look into the tent and says, I don't think she can come out like that. <laughs> but Missy does anyway, wearing the head wraps as a bikini. Those are my scarves. Yeah. Johnny says funny. it's quite obvious the first lady of WCW is Missy Hyatt. Is Medusa? Medusa then comes over and starts slapping Bad as they make their way back to her tent. Johnny somehow ends up in the tent. Yeah. But then stumbles out with the Medusa's top in hand. Mm-hmm. So Jesse's like, I need to check on this situation. And he goes into the tent. And then Jesse pokes his head out of the tent. The Medusa is first lady, no doubt. Thank you, Governor. <laughs> <laughs> and then JR says, we'll have the results tomorrow. And I go, okay? Exactly. <laughs> like, all right? JR also tells us, they should have done the, the clap thing where you have like the the gauge yeah, in the, the corner. Crowd and the yeah. stand. Like we all know who's gonna win. It's Missy. Yeah, they're, they're gonna put over the baby. If you have the crowd, but they're going to not do that. I can tell you what the results are. It was Yeah, Missy Iowa won. We Medusa won. 
<laughs> because they oh, because, wanted to keep the heel heat on her. Oh, so she won because... Oh, okay, because she had because the 51%. Because she is a skilled wrestler. I just thought you meant she won because she got to... Uh, Smooch Jesse. It has nothing to do. <laughs> I know. Has nothing to do with the bikini contest. <laughs> no, no, no. They, they, yeah. they let her win because she is a skilled wrestler mm-hmm. who had yes. to wear a dress mm-hmm. and they a said, bikini Medusa, contest just do this this one and time. a swimsuit competition. Yeah, we'll call up. We'll we'll bring in a, a a female Japanese wrestler, give you a good match on Starcade. Just you know, wear a bikini a couple of times for like twenty minutes. No, I'm sure she had a good time. Let her in there now and just start kicking ass, damn it. I don't know. I feel like if I was hot, I'd, I would be in a bikini contest on television. Sounds fun. Why not? As long as I know I'm hot, sounds like a good time. But not, it's, that's just me, personal. <laughs> JR then tells us about a NWA World Tag Team Tournament that will begin the next week. The first round of the tournament would happen at Clash of the Champions 19, which we're not going to cover. But we will see the most of the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals, which will take place at Great American Bash. Can you imagine how many more episodes we would have if we covered every Clash of Champions? We'd be on like episode ninety already. Not already, but I mean, you know, in, a, in the future we haven't we haven't been there yet. Be out of the eighties? <laughs> no, not at all. It's like one a month, right? <laughs> Basically. So we're off to our seventh match, the Miracle Violence Connection. Did they even say that? They did not say that. Okay. That is their name in All Japan Wrestling. Miracle Violence Connection. But it's a cool fucking name, so I use yeah, it. Yeah, it probably sounds cooler in, in Japan where they don't, like, where English is not the first language. <laughs> but, like, it's like, Miracle Violence Connection. Connection, yeah. <laughs> it sounds kind of uh, word salad but it's it's not terrible. That's Dr. Death Steve Williams and Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Versus the Steiner Brothers of Rick and Scott for the WCW World Tag Team Championships. Yeah, Dr. Death and Terry Gordy have, like, they come out in Spirit of Halloween, like, cheap, like, karate costumes. They don't look good at all. They're not, they're not, not quality geese. Last time we saw Dr. Death was at Clash of the Champions 9, episode 35. And Gordy was at Great American Bash 89, episode 31. How much do you miss Terry Bam Bam Gordy? Considering I think this is like literally only like the third or fourth time we've seen him, not really that much. I don't I mean I was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I know he, I know he was in the Freebirds and he's a Hall of Famer for being in the Freebirds. Mm-hmm. But I know he's got a son that accepted his Hall of Fame induction on his behalf as part of the Freebirds, and he wrestled in Japan, I believe. Who, Gordy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where he's basically where he's been, right? Yeah, that's and that's all I know. Who's his son? Was his son a wrestler? Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I was. Sure, I wasn't sure if that was like if I should have known. No. Like, he just. I just remember watching the Freebirds get inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, and his son what was rep- rep- repping. Reppin' Pops. Yep. So JR is calling for the upset as Scott and Gordy kick us off with a waistlock sequence. The two slap each other and start rolling around on the mat until the ref can break them up. Williams comes in and an amateur wrestling match breaks out until Dr. Death buries a knee into Scott's gut, followed by an Irish whip, only for Steiner to get a boot up. Try for a suplex, but Williams is holding onto the ropes and throws a back elbow. 
Dr. Death with another Irish whip and charge in, only for Scott to leap up over him and roll him over for a two count. Rick and Williams are in there together when JR mentions the two men used to be in the varsity club together. Aww. I know that. I did too. I was like, oh, good on you, JR. And this is where we get little... some, uh, some, some football talk, probably? Probably. Okay. No way. Dr. Death blocks a takedown, blocks a hip toss, but the dog-faced gremlin keeps working to hit the belly-to-belly suplex whoa, to force whoa, Williams whoa, whoa. to roll out to regroup. Hey, did you guys know that uh, Dr. Death went to OU? Right here in good old Oklahoma. Woo-woo-woo. Mm-hmm. Some varsity, some, yeah, a little bit of varsity beef from 1989. Back in, Doc hits a body slam, a pair of three-point stance shoulder tackles, goes for a third, but Rick hits a Steiner line. For a two count. Gordy misses a charge after an Irish whip of Rick, reverses a suplex into a back suplex, and 20 minutes remain as Rick hits a back suplex of his own. Three? Three suplexes? Williams tosses Steiner through the ropes to the rampway, where Scott checks on him, but as Rick is coming towards the ropes, Doc comes flying through the ropes with a shoulder block. Rick's trying to get back into the ring, only for Williams to block him. So Steiner comes in with a sunset flip, where Doc is holding onto the ropes. So Scott busts him with a forearm to help Rick pull him over for a two-count. That's fun. This is a slingshot, slingshot sunset, too. Gordy comes in and applies a half-crab, but Rick reverses it into a standing leg bar for several near falls. I don't trust anybody that only orders a half-crab. Go whole crab. But he leans too far over, and Williams is able to pop him across the face allowing Bam Bam to turn it back over into a spinning toehold. Rick escapes by kicking Gordy in the face and then delivers another belly-to-belly suplex. Scott tags in, hits a T-bone suplex. Yeah, I was like, what is this one? What crazy suplex is this? I don't know what to call this one. T-bone sounds good enough to me. It it uh, makes sense. Hooks on a modified bow and arrow and then maneuvers into a bridging cradle pin, but it's too close to the corner and Doc tags in to put a boot to the ribs. Williams slams Scott's head into a turnbuckle, tries for a second one, but Steiner blocks and looks to hit a suplex, only for Doc to hold onto the ropes to block. And 15 minutes remain. Gordy in to toss Scott to the ropes, but Steiner comes back with a crossbody for a two count. The connection regained control with some double teams, including going after the knee, with Bam Bam locking on a step over toe hold. After letting the hole go, Gordy hits a massive clothesline for a near fall. The, the, the Japanese clothesline. Every time Scott looks to fire up, they just go back to the knee to take him back down. Bam Bam hits a snap suplex, applies the bow and arrow. Doc locks on a Boston Crab, and the two just continue to work on that leg, punishing Scott. Ten minutes remain. Williams is back on when Scott begins to power up to crawl to his corner. And makes it there for the hot tag. I love it when my boy Rick gets the hot tag. Clothesline to Doc. Knocks Gordy off the apron. Power slam and second rope bulldog to Williams. Knocks Bam Bam out of the ring again. Scott climbs up to the second rope while Rick lifts Doc up onto his shoulders. When Gordy comes in with a clothesline to knock Rick out to the floor. Rick nails Bam Bam only to receive a huge clothesline from Williams. He then hands Steiner to Gordy, who's on the second rope, for a power slam for the pin, 
but Bam Bam's not the legal man, so the ref forces him out of the ring. So once he does start making the count, it's only for two. Gordy's in with a drop kick, the connection with the double shoulder block, five minutes remain. Doc with a backbreaker, Bam Bam with a forearm smash, a back suplex for a two count, four minutes remain. Williams with a neck vice, only for Rick to escape with elbows, three minutes. Doc buries a knee and then hits a doctor bomb, which is a gut wrench power bomb. For the pin and the no, Rick kicks out. Two minutes remain. The two men start slugging it out, and Williams has Rick up for the Oklahoma Stampede. But Steiner slips out and delivers a Steiner line. Gordy comes in with the clothesline in the corner and goes for a second, but Steiner flies out with another Steiner line. 45 seconds remain as Rick makes the even hotter tag. Scott goes slam crazy on the connection with back body drops, body slams, clotheslines. Ten seconds remain as Scott hits the tiger driver. Tosses him to the ropes for the Frankensteiner. Come on. But the bell rings. And we have a time limit draw. That was beautiful fucking Frankensteiner, by the way. Yeah. Tony and Eric recap the evening. JR and Jesse do the same before saying their goodbyes. And they remind us that Sting will be facing Vader at Great American Bash. Pyro goes off as the credits roll in front of an animated beach scene. So I ask you gentlemen, what are our overall thoughts? Uh, beach Bash 92 is tattooed on my heart. <laughs> you liked it that much? Yeah. Also, why was this the last match? That is a good question. That's the only question I really have is like, why was this the last match? Granted, I prefer a Steiner's match to have somebody that can bump for them. And these guys can't bump for them. And the Steiners can bump for people, but these guys are, they're just big and lumbering. So like, I think that this was good, but it had no right to be the last match. Sting and Cactus Jack could have been in the last match. Like, of course, the best last match would have been the best match on the show. We all know what that is. But, like, just saying, like, this didn't need to be here. Yeah. If I, mean, I get it, the Steiners it, it are is big the, as fuck. It is the only match for a back. I know. I, that's, that's true. That's most likely the reason why it is. Yeah, it bit. makes sense that way, but just, like... Correction. No, I have a light heavyweight. Oh, yeah, that's true. But light heavyweights never But we all know be. Cowboy Bill Watts hates light heavyweights, so... Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I love this show. I love this complete show. I love everything about it. I love that the stupid bikini thing wasn't boring. It was stupid and it's dumb to have bikini contests. Like, I think that that's fucking lame. But it's 1992. It is what it is. It's wrestling. But I think that it was fun enough and they weren't... It wasn't over long. We've seen so many, like, pay-per-view interviews or, like, you know, dumb segments and yeah. stuff that just, go like, drag. And these were, like, quick and, like, they were just quick little vignettes and they didn't they weren't boring to the because everybody there is entertaining and you know people want to scream about girls in bikinis so it kept everybody i've kept the crowd entertained i'm sure that even though the six-man tag was great that probably had more of a bathroom break than the bikini thing did honestly for a majority of the audience but yeah tattooed on my heart 
is my review of Beach Bash 92, which I did not expect for a show called Beach Bash. What about you, Shane? I have to agree. I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. Um, I had no expectations. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it started off hot with you know, a surprising, surprising match with uh, Pillman and Flamingo. I'm still trying to remember much about Scotty Flamingo from back in the early days or uh, whatever, as you said before, whatever bird name or Scotty mm-hmm. name he decides to throw out there. Looking uh, for Scott Puffin. That's his next next bird. <laughs> I think he. Uh, I, I think <laughs> he, he comes out in a little tuxedo. <laughs> Ricky Wood. <laughs> yeah, the. I don't know. It's yeah. I I I like the show. It it shocked me. As as boring as I thought it was going to be with <laughs> Cowboy Bill Watts talking at the beginning. There, it's you know he. I hated Jack Tunney, and Bill Watts just seemed like a, an even worse version of a Jack Tunney. So yeah, it, I, I'm, I'm not going to hold it deep into my heart, but it's going to be you know close by. A lot of the times I don't watch these shows like in one go, because mm-hmm. they're like three hours long. And I'm taking notes, so you like pause and stuff, and hit the rewind button. So it's not just a th- like three-hour watch, it's more than that. And a lot of the times I'm like, all right, like... That match was good. I'm about X amount through the show. I'm going to, you know, save some of this for tomorrow or whatever. But this show, I watched in one evening. I started watching it, and I was like, all right. Like, I was just, my expectations were a wrestling show. That's not always a good thing. That is not, all, not all wrestling shows are graded equally. But right. this show moves at a clip, and my I don't have any crazy complaints. No out like also it's the thing where i love singles matches and there's so many singles matches here and they're not from exactly what you would expect like i would not have expected valentine bagwell to be here and then like i would have expected something more like a you know dustin versus like eaton or something somebody any of the two from the tag uh six-man tag but the valentine bagwell match is like a perfect seven minutes yeah I think I'm right there with you guys. It's a very good show, some very good matches. It's by no means a classic. I think it's like a sleeper classic because it's so solid. There's so many classic shows where like amazing things happen, but the rest of the show is not so great. But this is like rock solid show in my opinion. When I first saw that there was two 30 minute matches mm-hmm. on the show, I was, was like, <laughs> I was like, oh god. But this show flies by. Yeah, that thirty-minute like, match. That, that thirty. The, the Iron Man match. Iron Man match was like, like thirty. It was like eight minutes. I think the Iron Man match might be my favorite match we've watched on out of all of these shows because I was just so into it the whole time, and there was like no real like build up or feud or anything. It was just like uh, it was what I want wrestling to be. It was just everything was in everything that happened was like smart and you knew why it was happening and it was performed at like such a high level it was incredible the show does have some disappointments yeah I mean, we kind of sure. talked about like a time limit draw for the main event like i mean the main event in total is kind of a thing where it's like i don't necessarily i don't have it much in my heart for uh, dr death or terry gordy they're not bad but they just 
They do okay. nothing for. They're me. yeah. They're like the. Yeah. They're like. I'm, a, I'm. I'm right there. Yeah. With you. Like if you just had like a. They're like a blank, cardboard standee of a person. It's like two Barry Windhams. I mean, I would have loved. You're capable. Yeah. I would have loved for the two top belts to be on the line. I mean, we know that Cactus Jack's not being Sting. Yeah. And it would have been cool to see Steamboat take the belt from Rude in that match. It, that would have taken that match oh, just yeah. an extra notch up. That is probably why that match is not up there and like. The, the, matches the that, people, of history. that yeah. people talk about just all the time. Pff, I'm going to talk about it, it is, forever. It is a great match. I wanted I wanted to show it to everybody, and I don't know anybody that likes wrestling, but you fuckers. But the one thing this show did is debunk your two on two off theory. Yes, because WCW is now three for its last three. I am okay for a three for three is good. Three for three is better than two for two. That's math. Like I'm uh yeah I'm a regular Steiner. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. So, what are the best moments of this show? The thirty minutes in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, I'll I'll get that. The well, the bikini contest was fun. I think that it honestly was fun, even though, like I said, it's fucking lame, misogynistic bullshit. It but is. like, it's still it is for cool. what it is. It's like I. I enjoyed it like it was it didn't get like too raunchy it was just kind of like it was a fun fluff piece because Jesse's fun it made me laugh Johnny's fun like it wasn't like you said yeah it did make you laugh I wasn't like rolling my eyes the whole time because they didn't move they didn't go too long (laughs) yeah yeah I mean the the bikini contest or just the whole Miss WCW I mean, yeah. it, I mean, it's the whole thing is dumb. dumb. Yeah, it yeah. is dumb. But I'm just saying, mm-hmm. as far as like stupid shit goes, this could have been much, so much, much like less entertaining. Uh, it I could mean, have I, been like you I know Jerry it, Springer comes out and smokes cigarettes in the middle of the ring or whatever. Who's the OG Jerry Springer that did that on um, a WWF show? Morton Downing. Yeah, Morton Downey Jr. like chugging cigarettes for 20 minutes, <laughs> like just wasting our time. It's like at least this like had like two like a. Like Johnny Be Bad is fun, and Jesse is is fun, and it's a good place for them to you know shine. And I'm sure we'll have. And they got people to call the hotline. So yeah, made them money. Yeah, and maybe uh we'll get maybe I don't know Medusa will crack Missy's knee with a tire iron. That'd be fun. That's what is that ninety two or ninety three? Uh, ninety four. <laughs> I think it's ninety four. Okay. Yeah. So maybe yeah maybe they predicted that um, and it'll happen in the next. Cactus Jack taking all those bumps on, on the, the concrete. concrete. Yeah. Yes. The Sting Cactus Jack match. Like, I think my least favorite match is the last match of the show. I agree. It's easily my least favorite match of the show, and that's wild because it's a Steiner Brothers. Still a pretty good match. Yeah, it's by no means mm-hmm. terrible. It's just that like, I was exhausted by the time we got to that match, and it wasn't. The energy, because I because I, I, do, I don't think anybody really gave a shit Here, in the audience about like Doctor Death or Gordy, so like they're not excited. I'm not excited. Here's like, the thing about most Steiner matches are about 12, 13 minutes long, and they're usually high energy from the word go. Yeah, the Steiners have the energy. Doctor Death and Gordy literally don't. they came out and did a waist lock sequence, and then some amateur wrestling, which. We saw some of that in the match versus the Japanese. Yeah. 
And I think that the since Gordy and Death have been in Japan, like I think that I like mat wrestling, and the mat wrestling they do here honestly looks pretty realistic. But, but you could tell immediately that they were slowing everything down yeah. to make this match go longer than it needed to be. For a show that is just so high energy all the way through. I mean, the six-man tag match right before this is, like, everybody is just, like, crisp and laying it in. And, like, you can just yeah. see the energy. They're like, look at this whole show. Everybody performed. We're going to have – we don't – we all have, like, you know, three minutes each in the ring. Let's make the best of it. And they all do. And you took away the jumping off of the top turnbuckle or – because, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that would be considered, like, a you know, taking away the, the Frankensteiner from the top turnbuckle because – the guy has to be sitting up there to be flung off. Yeah, of it. I don't know if that counts as the the same. As I will the say that that stipulation flex. was like, ugh, okay, whatever. But I think that they did a pretty decent job of making it mean something in the show a little bit. It wasn't completely. It wasn't like the over the top rope thing where sometimes it's real and sometimes it's not. Yeah. Like at least it had some consistency. Just, yeah. So like I can't get too upset about it for at least its consistency. It's just unnecessary. Yeah. And also, like, a small, very small complaint. The Flamingo-Pillman match was a little long, but it, I didn't expect Flamingo to go over, so in hindsight, it kind of makes sense that it went longer because Flamingo wins, and Flamingo doesn't... Like, he wins clean, but he wins off of, like, Pillman, you know, making a mistake. Well, let's move on to most disappointing, and I'll tell you that it's that right there. Yeah. Because... <laughs> Pillman and Bill Watts basically butted heads after Watts changed the rules. Yeah. And because Pillman's just like, you're taking, taking away, away like, half of my offense, basically. Yeah, you're taking away my t-shirt sales if there is any, you know, or like, like those are the pops. Like, everybody and loves Brian Pillman. He's one gonna, of the most over guys in the company. I'm going to give you a spoiler alert here. <sighs> Pillman basically becomes a jobber at this point. Oh, I hate it. Don't talk to me like that. <laughs> I'm so upset. <laughs> That's why he lost the belt. But because he because he was like, hey, fuck, fuck you, Bill Watts. Because he spoke up and was like, this isn't right. And just Bill Watts now. is a fucking old school asshole. Yep. He becomes a jobber, but just know, it gets better. It does get better. I'm sure it has to get better. But like... What else is disappointing, guys? I'm too disappointed to talk to <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've already talked about that last match. Again, it's just a... It shouldn't have been the main event. Yeah. I mean, the whole show. Like... I, f- I can see myself, like, in a year or so. I've got a cold. Not the COVID. I don't know. Ho- ho- hopefully cold. not that. Just, just a regular, regular cold. cold. I have a cold. It's January. My eyes are glazed over. And I'm just, like, waiting to g- go to sleep and sleep off my cold. And I'm like, what do I watch? <laughs> and I think that Beach Bash, falling, in, in, fall, falling in and out of sleep next to a Gatorade bottle, I think Beach Bash... Uh, could be a, a rewatch, one that would pop in my head. Like, I can see the show being as a secret rewatch. Where it's like, oh yeah, there's this one WCW show that is good all the way through. As opposed to flipping around through matches. The fact that, you know, I, I gave Greg Valentine my heart and then he decided that this that was the very next last day. show. That is <laughs> he, threw, is it threw it away? Right next day he threw it away? Gave uh, it away. Gave it away, there yeah. we go. I mean, best performer of the night, obviously, Steamboat. Yeah, Steam, Steamboat and Rude. Rude, uh, great. Steamboat, Rude, but I'm also gonna I gotta throw Cactus Jack out there too because I, I mean, agree Cactus Jack too. and Sting really did tear the house down like 
as well. Those two matches really tore the house down, and every match was pretty well engaged by the fans. Yeah, I mean, like everybody was into everything, but those two. Steamboat Root did great for their thirty minutes, but Cactus Jack, I can't remember how long that match was exactly, but he I think got it's his only ass like eleven kicked. minutes. Yeah, he got his ass kicked and thrown and slammed. Also, and the crowd flung losing everywhere. it because like now it's a thing we it's just. They go out into the crowd all yeah, the time. Like, and... Yeah, like here you can like feel the like electricity of the fans being like so excited about it and it being this big shocking thing and yeah, that was really neat. I was like, Oh my god, like like this is this is new this is new for them, or at least at the very least super uncommon. And it's sting. It's not like Cactus Jack and like Abby or Scotty Flamingo or who else would Cactus Jack have a match with? Or Greg Valentine and Cactus Jack. It's like, oh, like Sting is in the crowd. He's the he's the guy. About most surprising. I mean, I feel like most surprising things are the things that we've kind of already talked about. Yeah, I mean, if, honestly, I like, wasn't. Expect- just- I really didn't think Flamingo was going to take the belt because we haven't seen much of Flamingo and Brian Pillman so over. I was like, well, like, why? This is just going to be a Pillman thing. So that match being as long as it was, and then Flamingo winning it was probably the most surprising thing for me. Outside of that, I don't know if I had any. Surprises outside yeah, of this show just being fucking awesome. A thirty-minute time limit draw. I mean, yeah, that was shocking. That's kind of bit. a kick in the dick. Because I totally expect. I mean, it can go thirty minutes, but I totally figured the Steiners were going to pull it out at the very end. And then they did. You DQ. Oh, it was, was a time limit draw. Yeah. Oh, time limit draw. Time limit draw. Ugh. Yeah. Still more of the same stuff. Yeah. I'm glad I haven't. You would think that taking away the floor mats. Was a good idea to Cowboy Bill Watts make their mm-hmm. stuff. Seem it's 1972 more in his mind. Yeah, I'm glad that I don't have any like tattoos on my arms, so I can just get beach blast 92. I thought it was going over your heart. Well, yeah, but I'm not one to walk around with my shirt off. No. So at least I can like you know maybe just start lifting weights, only working my arms, and maybe I can get comfortable enough for a tank top. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. After holding the title for 631 days, Ric Flair would meet Harley Race on June 10th, 1983. Race would win the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship for the seventh time, breaking the previous record held by Luthez. Harley was determined not to lose the title back to the Nature Boy, so he offered a $25,000 bounty to anyone who would eliminate the former champion. Bob Orton and Dick Slater would attack Flair, inflicting what some considered a career-ending injury, and collected the bounty when Ric Flair would announce his retirement. But it was all a ruse, and the NWA officials set up a rematch. Next week, Great American Bash 1992. Gab Gab ninety two, Gab ninety two. Yep, and I, I, the Great American Bash is still a tour though. But then they have like one pay per view event. They Correct. still do the tour. Yeah. Also, uh, the Harley Race promo from your Dusty Finish. Everyone's probably seen it, but it's a good one. It is a very and good everyone should watch it. It's like it's a historic yeah. one. Yeah, but it's like oh yeah, like I saw that the other day just because somebody posted it on the internet and I'd seen it before, but I was like oh yeah, I've got a minute and a half for this. <laughs> But we're going to have us a NWA World's Tag Team Tournament at Great American Bash. Uh, so hopefully yeah, hopefully that turns out well. Uh, gab me with a spoon. Uh, make a <laughs> Bash. 
Make American Bashes great again. <laughs> uh, we'll get we'll get into this later. We're trying not to spoil what yeah. our thoughts are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Music from this week's show is Good Timing by David Fields. And the Steiners are still tag champs. Yeah. So we're gonna play Steinerized. We should just play whatever Steamboat song is. Opening it's... ceremony by Color Sound, something like that. Uh. You should have like a funk song about being a family. I want to say I'm hearing something with like pan flutes or something oh, like that. Oh, I like that too. I'm a huge sucker for flutes. <laughs> if you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. You can always email us any questions, comments, concerns at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H I S T O S. We'll talk to you next week. Later.